This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now, if you've listened to our first episode on Tutbury Castle, you'll be familiar with the dream team of Leslie Smith and Dr. Gareth Williams. Well, this week... We are back at Tutbury, but this time we're focusing on two things that make the world go round, money and sex. And who better to discuss the topic than Director of Coins at the British Museum, Dr Gareth Williams, who'll be dropping his numismatic knowledge on us like a ton of, well, coins. First of all, however, we had to get into the castle, and from the moment we got into Leslie's jag, there was no beating about the bush. She was straight to the point. Anyway, I hope you're looking forward to seeing my chastity belt. <laughs> I've, well, I'm looking forward to seeing your, your expansive collection. I've been looking forward to that, that all yeah, day. Yeah, me too. My leather condom is the sensation. Oh. That's been seen by more WI women than any sponge recipe north of Watford. Sponge cake and a leather condom. <laughs> That's a come dine with me episode I'd like to see. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> this is sticking in my throat, love. Uh, <laughs> We have a lot of fun up there. No good. So you're going to talk about ghosts and sex and the history. Ghosts and sex and coins. Oh yeah, coins and copulation. That's uh, that's the the, the 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 title. What about being the biggest hoard ever found in the UK of coins? Yes. No. Exactly. What the competing hoards are there? Fewer than twenty thousand. Really? Yeah. And this and this one was how many? Three hundred and sixty thousand. Oh, almost double. Uh, (laughs) What? Is it? Put a naught on it, Tom. Three hundred and sixty thousand. Oh, way more than. Yeah, oh, sorry. Right. No, I was sorry, say, I was vastly underestimating, underestimating your hoard. Yeah, I'm so that, sorry. Uh, yes, me too. Oh, are you a bit warm? Are you okay? It's quite warm. Yes, I like. But it's. Yes. Uh, I didn't want to get inside a Jaguar and complain because this is. <laughs> this is Jerry, the smartest pickup we've had in a long time. I, I'd like to think that this I'm is the where, smartest pickup you've had going, for a long this time. Isn't where, this isn't where. This is how you've been using the hook coins, have you? <laughs> Just yes, pocketing some yourself and I'm paying off for a Jaguar. The back and <laughs> Leslie's partner in crime, Dr. Gareth Williams. As well as being curator of the castle and all-round coin wizard, he's also one of the driest men I've ever met. He's the chalk to Leslie's cheese, and today he's going to be telling us all about Tutbury and the mystery of its missing coins. Over to you, Gareth. My main area is actually Vikings and Anglo-Saxons. But I ran a research project on the castle here some years ago, so I know quite a bit about this place too. I'm going to have to cough again. <coughs> He's on antibiotics, he hasn't sneezed on the sandwiches. <laughs> Just if any listeners were worried, the sandwiches are absolutely fine. Good. And my Quavers packet is Quavers facing away. I know, it seems so weird in this old lovely place that I'm eating Quavers. Quavers. I mean, I'm very grateful. Sorry, Gareth, let's keep on. No, 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 that's absolutely fine. Now we've established that no sandwiches were harmed in the making of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Carry on. Talk us through these hordes of coins, because it's basically the largest hoard of coins ever found 
in England, UK? Uh, in the UK, and one of the biggest found anywhere. Yeah, 360,000 coins. Right, in my head, and I'm basing this mainly on computer games that I've played, like Skyrim, when you walk around, is this people digging and finding a chest and opening it up and it, the gold light shines on their face and they go, oh my God, a bunch of jewels. Almost exactly, except for all the details. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a treasure box. Well, what's remarkable about this particular hoard is... We know what went missing in the first place, and we know what was found. So what is the hoard? The hoard was found in 1831 by workmen in the bed of the River Dove, about half a mile from the castle here. There used to be, at that point, a cotton mill. They were broadening and deepening the flow where a mill stream entered the river, and they wanted a better flow to drive the mill machinery. And so they were digging in the, the riverbed, and they started turning up shovel loads, not just of gravel, but of silver coin. So it was like, literally, oh, these gravel are all shiny. They've yeah. got people's faces on it. Exactly. So most of these would have had a king on one side and a cross on the other. So they found a few, and then they worked their way back up the river and found more and more. And then we get to a point where contemporary newspaper accounts say there are hundreds of people digging in the river. But we know exactly what went missing because we can trace it back to a hoard going missing in 1322. And this was during the rebellion of Thomas, Earl of Lancaster. He was the cousin of King Edward II. He was the richest man in England apart from the king. And Edward was not a very successful king he was not a very popular king. And Thomas of Lancaster felt, well, if I raise a rebellion against the king, people will flock to my banner. And they didn't. And so he came to his castle here at Tutbury and realised not enough people had turned up. So he realised, I can't meet him in open battle, but if I defend the bridge, only a certain number of people can meet each other. That evens out. Unfortunately, he was wrong. And so Edward brought enough troops against the bridge that he thought the main attack was happening, was only focusing on that. Edward, meantime, slipped round the side with his main army, took him by surprise. Thomas fled back here, but in his arrogance, hadn't prepared the place to be attacked, so ran off to the north. He was captured and executed in Pontefract. Edward seized the castle, and the following year, there were a series of investigations into all the looting that had taken place. One of the things that we know went missing was Thomas's treasure. This was three barrels of coins. There's a lot of coins. I don't know how many coins are in a barrel, but it sounds like a lot. About 120,000. Oh, um, you did? Yeah, well, well, yeah. Well, yeah, he got the, he found we, out. <laughs> you know, James, Christ. Yeah, we know, <laughs> I was not expecting an answer there, I'll be honest, We know the sum went missing, and on the weight of the coins, the coins alone, if it's three barrels, the coins alone in each barrel would weigh about twice what I do. I'm not the lightest person in the world. You've then got the weight mm. of the barrel on top. As well, yeah. So we can trace them going as far as the church. And the church is just below the castle, which is quite a common arrangement. Mm. So they took it down there, a couple of Thomas's servants, who took it down there for safety. Possibly not the best thing to do, because the prior of the church is one of the people that we know was accused of stealing things. So we know he helped himself to the church plate from the castle and possibly a barrel of fish. Um, a barrel of fish? Yeah, a barrel of sturgeon. How many fish do you get in a barrel? Don't know, it's not specified. 
could be a different size you know, of barrel. a lot more about coins than fish. Yeah. You've got to pick your speciality, haven't you? You can't, uh, you can't ex- know everything. Exactly. So, <laughs> but, but we don't know what happened to it after it got to the church. Somehow they got from the church down the hill to the river. Very possibly, um, they may have just have thought the quickest way to hide them rather than dig big holes for these heavy barrels is just roll the barrels straight downhill and it is just a slope from a church down to the river hide them underwater and then we can recover things when it quietens down and it never did or maybe they tried getting them across the river away to safety in a cart which collapsed under the weight we don't know but one way or another the, the the coins disappear from the church in March 1322 and reappear coins of exactly the right date, um, the the latest datable coin in the hoard, about a year earlier than it was lost um, in, in 1831. Do you still get people in the river now? It's been strictly prohibited from a few days after the discovery. So it took a couple of weeks before word got to the authorities. The owner of the mill was away at the time, so he came back and was a bit alarmed to discover all this going on. It's very hard when digging up treasure, like finders keepers. The rule, that rule doesn't really apply. No, it it doesn't. And these days we have the law of treasure, which basically says anything that is precious metal or 10% or more of precious metal, any one object or any two or more coins that is more than 300 years old and where the original ownership cannot be proven is the property of the crown. But the key thing is, if you find these things, you can't just keep them. You have to report it. And that was the case back in 1831 as well. And that's why there was this whole business of people then going around people's houses and tracking them down and people getting murdered because they thought they had their coins. It got pretty brutal, right? That comes from Ash Flats near Stafford. An elderly couple in a cottage with a well outside, which is relevant, were reportedly broken into and there was murder because people believed that they were involved 30 years before with digging up these coins and they thought they still had them hidden. These things can get legs, you know, these rumours. And these people were murdered. And in fact, there's no evidence any coins were found or anything. But I would like to say, Tom, that if anybody having heard this thinks it'd be a good idea to come around here with a metal detector or a snorkel. um, I I was thinking You do, yeah, I could see. Uh, You do (laughs) go to jail for a long time because there is Is this Monopoly, is it? uh, it, You're treating me like a... (laughs) An iron or a, a silver boot. <laughs> Do I not collect a hundred dollars? No, you don't. All go to jail. But you will find that um, you will find that people do write to us occasionally say, "I'm really interested in the treasure. Where was it lost?" Yeah, sure. we're really going to tell you, mate. So sure. there are new laws surrounding the property, the fields around here, and uh, some of those have been added to, haven't they, over the years to give it extra dimensions of power. So try it. You've had it. Yeah, absolutely. When we were trying to piece together the the coinage, and in the 90s, someone had a go, and uh, some people got threatening letters saying, stop looking at this, stop trying to find this stuff, back off. That's in the 1990s, not the 1890s. I mean, so that in itself is interesting, which tells you that some people in the area knew very well who had all these coins. So Tutbury has a bit of a sort of sore spot when it comes to coins. Yeah, they're still visible in the church today, a notice which went up about a fortnight after the hoard was found, which basically says, stop looking on pain of nasty things happening to you. We know about it now. And we know where you live. And and, and, and they did actually send the troops in to guard the spot until what was left could be 
fully recovered. What people don't realise is there was another notice which was put up the following day, which said, you know, on consideration, you've still got to stop stop looking on pain of nasty things happening to you, but there's an amnesty for whatever you've already recovered. And the, and the difficulty is that because it took a couple of weeks before they got in charge of things, by that stage, almost everything had gone. So once the authorities took control, they found about 1,500 coins in total. Uh, and that was it. And everything else had already gone. So we do have accounts of the workmen and the others in the stream, people setting themselves up as farmers on the proceeds of what they'd sold from it. It's clear that it was an extraordinary find. But the contemporary accounts couldn't piece together exactly what had been found. There's different lists in different places, but we know exactly what went missing. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Having talked a lot about coins and money, what better thing to spend your hard-earned money on than whores, which have a strong connection with Tutbury? You keep them in the moat. Yes, they weren't in snorkels. Our moat never had water in. It would be unkind otherwise, wouldn't it? Keep swimming, love. N- n- nothing wrong with a dripping wet whore. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. That's too much. So glad you were happy in lockdown. <laughs> anyway, so... Th- well, oh no, I promise you, the moat in the Tower of London has not had many whores in. But getting back to these whores. There's nothing new about whores. They've been part of our life going world. right the way back to 1137. We have references to them coming over from Flanders and even a bit earlier than that. They were actually licensed by the bishops of Winchester prostitutes. The whores were? Yeah, and so were midwives. It was an all-round family experience. And it's believed or or known... (laughs) A family experience? Well, midwives and whores. You can get both ends of life. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is the start in the end, isn't this, it? Absolutely. <laughs> Other than The Undertaker. So here, we oh, had, yeah, in the Napoleonic Wars period, we had offices based here in tents. Well, it's a joke because we had hardly any walls then. I mean, the destruction of the castle in 1647 had happened by the Napoleonic Wars. But we still had these offices here in large numbers, kind of desperate where to put people far from the sea. And the rumour in the village is that there were whores who were in little kind of encampment in the moat, presumably a bit far away from the poo watcher who'd been there some centuries earlier. We haven't seen any firm evidence of it, but quite often this oral traditions are based on on a truth. It might not be the truth, but a truth. And they wanted to stop these people. They'd be very bright being officers. We wanted to stop them kind of getting really shirty or, or being any uprising. So they gave them some of the things they needed in life, if that's the case. But there, this has been talked about a great deal. And in this area, you will hear people say, would you like me to hold your donne, which means your hand, and donne, of course, to give. And that is still heard in this area. So that's really quite interesting. I don't know if it came from that sure. or early donne. still. Donne was well, to give in French. But they still say, oh, look at your little donne, you know, your little hand. And you hear that with children. It's fading now, but I've heard it a great deal over the years while I've been here. So that's been one of the great bits of fun here. If true, the bloke hiding um, and also the whores. Well, you can't talk about whores without addressing the elephant in the room. And before you say anything, that's not a position in the Kama Sutra. Get your minds out the gutter. I'm talking about babies. With all this copulation going on, why were there not hundreds of babies running around the castle? Leslie, we need to talk to you about sex and contraception because you are a specialist on that subject, specifically in the 1550s to the 1580s, which is a very specific set of dates. Is there any reason for that particular 30 years? It's a very much broader subject than people imagine. There's a great deal more to look at. And if you consider the enormous distress that was caused by people who wouldn't bear Henry VIII a child that was a boy, it makes you realise how complex it can be. So this is a murder and mayhem job, this is. And and women were considered wet, cold, God's second choice, chosen by the devil to tempt men away from holy work. All, Thanks, All chat-up lines that I've used in the past have yes. never worked. Do you know... I think I know. Anyway, so we've got that. And then you've got men who are God's image, his first choice, strong, courageous, dignified. Chat-up lines that no woman's ever used on me <laughs> in my life ever. They will now. And that means, of course, that women were considered a lesser mortal than a man. And they just didn't want women ruling. And there were some real exceptions, Isabella and Ferdinand of Spain. And, of course, we get to see some remarkable women like Elizabeth I. Now... So really, it's examining also the legal and canon law associated with sexual behaviour and sexual behaviour and disease and all that. I mean, it's just so interesting. Uh, But it's also a bit eye-popping sometimes, as you'll discover. So I have a black zip-up bag here, and I carry this with me a great deal and talk all over the UK. And I'd like to say, if anybody's listening, if I ever get run over, if you see me, get this bag and run like hell. Because I really don't want a coroner going through this. I was going to say, have you ever had taken this through sort of an airport and had it searched? Uh, unfortunately, I have a chastity belt on the table and on one occasion, <laughs> well, it's not unfortunate, it's a bit riveting really, but on one occasion uh, when I had to travel to Northern Ireland to a 
conference, I had to carry the chastity belt with me. This is before the big airport security scares about 20 years ago. And I rang up East Midlands Airport and said, I'm coming through with a metal chastity belt. Could you yeah. warn the other end too? I'm assuming you weren't wearing the chastity belt. No, because it makes your but, legs chafe. Yes. I mean, something shocking. So, um, And if they tried to pat you down, there are spikes sticking out the front of it, which would be... I know. We could put landing strips on it. It looks like a metal <laughs> nappy, actually, doesn't it? And yes. there's a lock at the front and there's one, two, three spikes. And there's a toilet arrangement, uh, which is quite decorative, which could be worn. And I'll come to that in a moment about oh, yeah. how true they are. You can't undo them or get them off or anything like that without the key. So, so sorry, the toilet arrangements are the little tiny slit there's at the front. Slit at the front for and a wee. The, and then, and the... then there's a flower arrangement at the back. So yes. it's sort of a Play-Doh effect, really, if anybody's <laughs> listening at home. Yeah. And I just really want to say that, really, there's a lot of talk about these. Mm-hmm. And I've done a considerable amount of research into them. They're more to do with the Marquis de Sade and spanking than other things. A lot of people, including me, don't believe they actually existed. This is Victorian. The idea of a woman wearing these who had to menstruate, go, because evidence wouldn't just be them left over. Um, and they're also going to be people with terrible wounds in the inner thighs and infections and God, God, I mean, just horrendous things. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of them appearing in pornography, which we did have. There was a pornography called Aratino. Yeah. What, what was that? Um, like a magazine? Uh, it was a book called uh, Modi, which means positions. Oh, like the Kama Sutra. Just uh, for... Yeah. And there's one in the Vatican, but there would be. You've got to fill an evening, haven't you? And there's another one at the British You're Museum. You're filling more than an evening. Yes, you would with that. And when you look at it, it's marvellous. Yeah. Because someone's chopped off the rude bits. Have they? Somebody in the Victorian period chopped off the rude bits, which means you've just got people looking startled from various angles. And you have to sort of <laughs> guess what's going on in the middle. And that's absolutely true. But interestingly, um, it was believed that unless a woman had an orgasm at the same time as the man, she would not conceive. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
I'm going to wait round in my bag here because I want to show you some contraception. So, thank you. Syphilis. Thank never you. Ask. Thank you. <laughs> well, my mum always told me not to look in a lady's purse, but in this instance, Leslie and her little black bag have all the answers. Syphilis arrived in the late 1400s and we spotted it and said, yeah, there's going to be trouble over this. And so eventually Henry VIII closed all the whorehouses, but they did recognise that this disease was passing into ordinary communities straight from the husbands popping over the river. And Southwark was not part of London and that's where a lot of whorehouses were. So in here, I've got a leather condom because this started off as an attempt to get the syphilis under control rather than a contraception. Okay. But guess what? Uh, it worked as a contraception too. And people who ran whorehouses certainly didn't want their best girls to go off duty pregnant sure. and all that. So here we are. And this is made of leather, Tom. It is. And it's kept in a jar of oil. It'll make you sore. Let's well, just, make the woman let's sore. Let's describe it. I'm seeing it's like a very small little is it? bit of... Is it? Is it? Uh, uh, or, or, or big oh that, wow, hang on you just <laughs> oh hang on you just rolled it out and i take back my statement that's ginormous yes it is ginormous um it is a large penis shaped leather pocket if you like and it's sewn all around the outside which is a bit of a bonus girls and it's got a pouch at the back it's got a piece at the back which protects the body from getting in touch with blisters we recognize the blisters were the issue and then lots of sort of long lace well there were bits. four strings of four leather strings, yeah. and one is to go around the waist and then another two is to go between the testicles and do up at the back Right. Uh, I would like to say that's to secure it. I have seen it on and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Who but did I, you see this on? I'm not telling you. But what I do want to tell you <laughs> <Okay>. is <laughs> it doesn't fit. Gareth, you're look, sat there with a wry <laughs> smile <laughs> like they've got a secret. <laughs> Let's just say it's made to measure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an extraordinary thing and it's not called a condom. Condom was reputed to be one of Charles II's physicians, so much later. This is a pizzle pocket or oh, a condom, pistol. Oh, sorry, condom was a real bloke, wasn't Well, he? there's a lot of talk about it. Um, he was one of um, nine physicians that Charles II had, almost certainly a bastard of the town of Condom, because they'd take the name if they didn't have a name. There's a town it's of Condom lovely. as well, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, there is in France, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's not why they call French letters, I don't think. But he arranged for free condoms made of gut to be given out but when these very early ones came about uh, in those circumstances um they were reused i mean i was about to say they are machine washable reused. Uh, well you can certainly wash them we wash some here my secretary who met who is the church warden and quite a normal person uh, she and i washed some and they went crispy and so that's the moment you stand them up when you realize that no, they have to be kept in oil uh, so in the next century, I'm just on condoms at the moment. Uh, in the next century, we thought got... that was another condom, but that's just a bag for life. Thank uh, God for just... that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I, I was starting to feel very inferior <laughs> as a man. Sexual education for me at school went as far as putting a condom on a banana. What I heard next really pushed my sex ed into a whole world of fruit salad, literally. So, in the words of the immortal Salt and Pepper, "Let's talk about sex, baby." So I'd heard that lemons and limes could be used as a Dutch cap. So you'd hollow out the the skin and but then no, you'd need put the, it in. you'd need the juice. You need some oh, you need of the, the juice. juice. Yeah, 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 yeah. The juice. For the acid. So oh, I, I, see, yeah. I did I carried out an experiment uh, which is known as a concept experiment. I did discover that it's certainly used in Indonesia squeezing fruit juice, very sharp fruit juice like lemon or lime. Um, onto K-pop, the lining of right. nuts. 
And so I went to my gynecologist with a bag of fruit about 15 years ago. And <laughs> you'll be very pleased to hear this was a booper. I paid for this. I didn't take up NHS um, time with this. And the gynecologist was absolutely, he was a leading bloke actually, was absolutely thrilled to do it. So he said, this is so interesting. Mm. Must have made a change for a Thursday, mustn't it? I imagine, so, yeah. So I went in with his fruit and we raked through the bag and he got out a lime and said, right, we'll get that pip out because it's a bit sharp and cut it into a curve at one end, leaving the juice, bent it in half, gave it me. And I, he said, right, put that in your own body. I can't do that in case it, it hurts you. So I did. And then he came in and look at it. Yeah. And he said he'd never think like it. So we'd obviously never worked in casualty on a Saturday night. I mean, it's like <laughs> Toys R Us some weeks, isn't it? So... He said, um, he said it sits perfectly over the neck of the womb. <laughs> so then I had to get it well, out, which wasn't very easy. It was like sort of advanced yoga. Yeah. And you I turned yourself into a juicer. Yeah, it was rather, except <laughs> you want to keep it there. I could walk down around could and you? sit down sharply, which was quite a surprise. <laughs> anyway, I got home and when I got home, um, I didn't tell him when I'd done this. And then, unfortunately, it was on the radio and then it was published and then it literally went around the world. Wow. Sort of English historian puts lime up fairy yeah. kind of conversation. But, <laughs> but, but the truth is, it wor- I don't know why we called it that in our family, but we did. The truth is, it worked fantastically because I then sent that piece of fruit, you've got to like someone a lot to send that in the post to someone, um, to a professor of chemistry and the results came back. It was mind-blowing. And what, yeah, pl- Listen please. to this. It kills sperm candida and most forms of venereal disease because the environment is so acid compared with the normal host for these things Mm -hmm. is that it so is it normally alkali up there well uh, well no it's acid up there but it's much more acid right much more acid so the lime particularly compared with the lemon so i became known unfortunately as gin and tonic on the circuit (laughs) but but go (laughs) go Here she comes, Blimey. Oh, my God. Um, but the whole kind of thing sounds bizarre. And it was a bit bizarre. Oh, by the way. Sounds a little bit bizarre. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Leslie. Yeah, not gonna, I won't lie. This but, is um, you know, it's one of like, the more peculiar conversations I've had on this podcast. But I did it in the hospital because I wanted you know, to prove... The old G&T's back. <laughs> Here she is. Get your straws you out, some, lads. Do you want some ice with it? <laughs> yeah. and, um, I tried it, um, I did it to hospital because I wanted this gynecologist to confirm it had happened. I wanted the professor of chemistry to confirm it happened, what the results were. So it was, I mean, the results were really tremendous fuss. It appeared in publications all over the world. Um, but as well as that, I also didn't want to try it at home, get it stuck and end up at casualty about 11 with a nurse saying, there's a woman in cubicle number three, go and have a look at that. Yeah. And I'm a bit <laughs> suspicious that's where the phrase feeling fruity comes from. Leslie and Gareth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been exceptional in many ways. We've covered a variety of subjects, coins, sexy stuff, black blood. And I I have had an education on condoms that I never, ever thought I would. (laughs) But just a few quick questions to wrap up the day. Firstly, in a soundbite, why should people visit Tutbury Castle? We are in the heart of England and we represent the heart of the nation too in so many ways. You'll be very welcome, a warm welcome to find out the foundation of who we are as a people. That was beautiful. I really, I, wanna, I, don't, I don't want to leave anymore. I want to stay. 
Oh, thank you so much for both coming on. Uh, please, can you plug your socials or where can people find more information about Tutbury and how can they come and, and see the place? If you look at tutburycastle.com, the official site, and then you'll see what's coming up throughout the year. We open officially at Easter and close at the end of September, but are open all year for special events from Vikings to fireworks right the way through. But you'll have a warm welcome in an extraordinary place. Also, if you look up Leslie Smith at Tutbury Castle on Facebook. Beautiful. I will definitely be doing that, and I encourage you all to do the same. Thank you, Tom. It's been wonderful. I hope to see you again soon. I will be coming back in the summer. You'll always be welcome. And so with that, we said our warm goodbyes to Dr. Gareth, got back into Leslie's Jag, and motored our way into the sunset. We loved our time at Tutbury. If you haven't heard the first episode, what are you waiting for? Go and listen to it now. Thanks for listening, and with Christmas coming up, don't forget to wrap up tight... Stock up on those chocolate coins and mind your manners. Woo! Yay! Sexual education for me at school went as far as putting a condom in a banana. On, what? On a banana. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have sexually weirdly. <laughs>